You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. And welcome to another edition of the Domecast, our weekly look backwards and forwards in all things in politics and government in North Carolina. I'm Andy Curlis with the News and Observer. We have a really good show for you. Uh, a full cast uh, today. Pat Gannon of The Insider is back. Welcome back, Pat. Rested, ready, I assume. Uh, Colin Campbell of The News and Observer. We'll hear from Craig Jarvis and Lynn Bonner of The News and Observer and also Ben Brown of The Insider. Uh, we'll be getting into the House uh, taking up the budget. We've got a lot of budget uh, news this week. We'll try to keep it interesting. And, of course, there was some politics news with uh, a decision by Kay Hagan. And, as always, we'll discuss our headliners of the week. But first, let's get right into it with the budget, the big uh, story, uh, major dollars on the line. The House and the Senate starting uh, on the very front edges of negotiation. And uh, Pat Gannon of The Insider, uh, tell us what was going on this week with the budget. Bring us up to speed. Uh, where, where do things stand? Well, probably the, uh, the biggest news this week, aside from maybe the Confederate flag issue, was the House Finance Committee taking its first dive into the, the Senate uh, budget proposal. And as, as you know, um, the two chambers will, will begin their negotiations soon if they haven't already, um, to, to come up with one budget. Uh, but the House Finance Committee met twice this week and they plan to meet again, uh, Tuesday of next week to, uh, to go over the details of the Senate's, uh, tax and, and, uh, finance provisions. And one of the, the main st- sticking points or points of contention, I guess, that surfaced this week, which it wasn't really a surprise, but surfaced anyway, was uh, the sales tax redistribution formula pushed by the Senate and specifically Senator Harry Brown, uh, the, the majority leader in the Senate uh, from Onslow County. And the House picked, picked uh, that plan apart this week, specifically members from areas that that would be adversely affected, uh, counties like Mecklenburg and then tourist counties like Dare and Currituck, New Hanover and Brunswick down in, uh, the southeastern part of the state. And they're all worried that the projections that, uh, the General Assembly staff has given, uh, regarding the bill underestimate, in some cases, perhaps drastically underestimate the hit that these counties are going to take if, if this plan, uh, moves forward. So that was one of many criticisms. Um, brought out by the House this week. And we're not uh, just hearing criticism. I mean, there's uh, talk of socialism, uh, communism. I mean, this is this, this was in described in terms that we haven't seen uh, in this session. Is that fair to say? Very fair. Yeah. I think uh, Representative Charles Jeter, a Republican from uh, Charlotte area, um, referred to the Senate's budget plan as the, or, or he said he had to read, he had to go back and read the Communist Manifesto before, uh, going through the Senate, uh, budget. So he'd have a good, uh, um, to understand a, a the good redistribution under- yeah. of the wealth yeah, and how exactly. that works. Yeah. Colin Campbell of the News and Observer. So does that, I mean, is it, is that 
the sales tax plan is it is it dead or is it going to be negotiated like the rest of the budget? I mean, there's potential yeah. to negotiate some form of that. I think uh, Senator Bob Rucho has told me he's he's put forth a different plan that, that does some of the same shifting in, in sort of moving sales tax revenue to some degree from uh, being a, a point of sale, you know, where the purchases are occurring to more population based, but without leaving a big budget hole. Um, so I think there's a potential for a more watered down version of this plan to, to maybe make it through, but it, it really is going to be not so much a partisan divide in the legislature because we actually heard positive things about it this week from Ken Goodman, who's a Democrat from, I believe, the uh, southern uh, rural area of the state. Um, but it will divide you pretty much along the lines of the counties you represent. Are you from counties that are going to benefit from this plan? Or are you from a county that's going to lose a lot of money under this plan? Yeah. The, one of the final people who spoke in the House Finance Committee uh, yesterday was uh, Representative Becky Carney, a Democrat from Mecklenburg. And, and as, as I've said, Mecklenburg might be one of the county's hardest hit. And her, her suggestion, I think it's shared by a lot of people, is this shouldn't be part of the budget. This should be uh, this issue should be decided separately with plenty of discussion and debate and plenty of uh, information on how it's going to affect all the areas. Um, her quote was, uh, this is pitting counties against counties. So you have, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. If your county is going to win, you might be okay with it. If your county is going to lose, you're, you're going to really dislike this idea. And, and her, her quote yesterday was, this is serious business and shouldn't be a part of the, of the budget. Well, and of course, uh, they did talk uh, this week about other uh, budget things getting in a little bit to that nonprofits, uh, uh, the cap on sales tax uh, revenue, and we'll see other uh, pieces of the budget, as you said, uh, pack in. And uh, uh, next week, they're, they're starting to take it up and discuss it. So, Colin, tell me, um, obviously, we're coming close. Uh, Wednesday, July 1st is a new budget year. Um, there was some discussion at the end of the week about a continuing resolution, but they ultimately did not reach one. Uh, bring us up to speed on what's, I mean, what's going to happen here in the next, uh, in the next period on, on the budget. Yeah, Thursday was really a waiting game um, in both chambers. Uh, they did their sessions at noon, and then they took a recess initially for about half an hour. They thought they were really close on a continuing resolution, which is the temporary budget that's going to basically keep state government running after July 1st and until they can uh, get a permanent budget in place. And that agreement, some say it could be weeks away, some say it could be a couple months away. It uh, just kind of depends who you talk to. Um, but they're certainly very, very far apart on the details of a permanent budget. So anyone on the temporary budget, uh, they couldn't quite reach an agreement. They kept delaying the sessions, keeping lawmakers in town, hoping to get that done Thursday afternoon. Did not succeed, so that's probably going to happen Monday. And my understanding is the, the big points of contention are around education funding because with school districts only a month or so away from this new school year, they've got to know what their funding is going to be. They've got to know whether they're going to have teacher assistance, whether they're going to have lower class sizes, which elements of, of either the House or Senate plan goes into that. And so they've got to reach an agreement on that aspect of things in order to get the continuing resolution to the governor and hopefully in, in action by next Wednesday. Wow. So we'll be watching that closely. Let's uh, take a break. And we'll be back in a moment. I want to thank my mommy for loving me so much. For, for taking, taking me to the doctor when I broke my foot. For, for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom. For taking you to your therapies. For understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. 
Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And we're back on the Domecast, our weekly look backwards and forwards, all things in government and politics in North Carolina. Thank you for listening. I'm Andy Curlis with the News and Observer. We're here with Craig Jarvis of the News and Observer and Lynn Bonner of the News and Observer. And of course, another big uh, news item this week was the decision by Kay Hagan, former U.S. Senator Kay Hagan, deciding that she would not uh, seek election challenging Richard Burr. Craig Jarvis, uh, tell us uh, how, I guess she did it in a uh, letter uh, to supporters. Yeah, um, she uh, she apparently sent around was sending around emails or a letter to potential fund uh, to p- potential donors, saying uh, you know I'm not going to do it this year. Put your money somewhere else, and uh, then eventually issued a statement saying you know she was still interested in public service, but this was not the time for her. or Something to that effect. Uh, so this has been brewing for months ever since Burr announced that he was uh, Senator Richard Burr, the other senator, announced that he was going to run again. Uh, Democrats felt like he was vulnerable, and uh, so a number of names surfaced. Hagan's being the most prominent, and I thought at the time, well, she's unlikely to do that. She's uh, just lost an expensive, very close, very bruising race to Tom Tillis. Uh, she had some negatives attached to her name as a result of that campaign, so it didn't seem likely to me, but a lot of time passed, and she wasn't saying she wouldn't do it, so that seemed to lend credence to it. And about a month ago, I heard that she was really having a hard time deciding, kind of the flip side being she did spend a lot of money, it was so close, she didn't want to let it go, and there'd be a certain symmetry to losing one Senate seat and, uh, uh, and winning another. So, uh, but, she, but she made it formal, she's out. So Kay Hagan uh, said that her uh, future is as a citizen, I think was uh, part of her statement, not as an elected uh, senator. So Lynn Bonner... Uh, you were working on this story. Uh, tell us, uh, Democrats now looking around. Yes, uh, the decision was a blow to national Democrats who um, were working hard to get Hagan in, apparently. Um, were working hard to recruit Janet Cowell, we hear, and she has said definitively that she's not going to run against Burr. So that really leaves the door flung open for someone to step in and um, we hear that, uh, Dan Blue, uh, veteran legislator is, uh, is talked about and he says that he's not thinking seriously about it or hasn't thought seriously about it. But I'm sure that, uh, the calls are gonna pick up to him and, and to others who might challenge Burr. You know, um, every six years we hear Burr might be vulnerable. Yet he keeps winning. Um, he, you know, he beat Erskine Bowles, um, beat Elaine Marshall in a, in a walkover. So, um, you know, who knows might, who might now step in to try to challenge him. Yeah, we've heard uh, Anthony Fox as well keeps right. getting mentioned. He um, keeps getting mentioned, but you know we saw his name surface again um, in a in a national publication. But uh, the thought is that he also um, told Burr when he was up for transportation secretary 
that he would not challenge him. So that's uh, another prominent name apparently scratched off the list. Mm-hmm. Another one we're hearing is Heath Schuler. Uh, I guess just because he was another prominent Democrat, somebody whose name comes to mind. But he's a former congressman who uh, I think now lobbies for Duke Energy. Yeah, so really uh, on the Democratic side, that race is just wide open and the window is is closing. Right, yeah. Uh, It's an expensive race. And they, they, they're going to need to put somebody up. Um, so, okay, well, good. Let's take a break, uh, and we'll come back with our headliners of the week. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And we're back on the Domecast. I'm Andy Curlis with the News and Observer. We're into a segment we call Headliners of the Week. And we'll have our panelists. We've got Colin Campbell, Ben Brown of The Insider, Craig Jarvis, and Pat Gannon of The Insider. Uh, we'll, we'll nominate a headliner, and I'll give them 45 seconds to argue why they should get it. And they have to beat the bell. Where's the bell? Where's the bell? Where's the bell? There's the bell. Uh, we got a bell, and I'll ring the bell, and we'll have some fun. We'll pick a headliner of the week. Let's start with Ben Brown making an appearance on the Domecast. Ben Brown, tell us, who is your headliner of the week? I'm going to go with uh, David Lewis, Representative David Lewis, for sort of getting caught in a storm under the uh, the voter ID controversy, having last week to explain the change on the House floor this New exception allowing for people seemingly without any other recourse to vote without an ID by signing, signing an affidavit swearing to your identity and all the backlash from the conservative groups who said this guts the voter ID law or the spirit of it. Then Lewis goes on the, the defense this week with an open letter, a blog post defending this new exception. It was a tight spot for him. It was conservative versus conservative. So I'll say David Lewis. David Lewis defending the uh, changes to the voter ID law, which we didn't get into too much this week, but another uh, really interesting story that will continue. Uh, So Representative David Lewis defending the changes in the voter ID law. Thank you, Ben Brown. Uh, Let's go to, let me see here, Mm, Colin Campbell. Colin Campbell, who is your headliner of the week? Well, my pick is House Democratic leader Larry Hall, and I picked him for two reasons. One was he uh, orchestrated this uh, unique uh, constitutional maneuver, found this clause in the Constitution that allows you to object uh, uh, as a member of the legislature to a procedural issue or a way a vote was handled in the legislature. Uh, and he did that with Senate Bill 2, the magistrates and marriage bill from a couple weeks ago, saying that the uh, correct procedures weren't followed because it appeared on the calendar for so long. The vote came up with very little discussion, and he got all the members of the, uh, or nearly all the members of the Democratic caucus to sign on to that. Uh, and then after that, uh, when the Confederate flag issue came up with uh, whether they should appear on North Carolina license plates or not, the governor was saying that they should be taken off. Uh, he said, really, Confederate flag license plates haven't killed anybody. It's guns, and we need to deal with the gun issue. On the nose, Larry Hall, Representative Larry Hall. Uh, question, Colin. 
uh, on the uh, the the procedure that he was invoking on uh, Senate Bill Two. Do we know how that will turn out? Is that um, just a just an effort? At yeah, this point? it basically gets it on the formal record of the House, but it's not something that creates any series of actions to review how the House handled it. Um, but it does give the Democrats to say a chance to say this is null and void. This vote doesn't really count, even though. Effectively, this is going to be the law. Okay, interesting, interesting. All right, let's go now to Pat Gannon of The Insider. Pat, did you enjoy your time away from Raleigh? I did. Good. Rested? Good. <laughs> Pat Gannon, uh, who is I your... Go you wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Pat Gannon, who is your headliner of the week? I'm going to go with sort of a, an obscure one this week. Uh, Lindsay Wagner, who's a writer for the uh, liberal a- advocacy group NC Policy Watch, she showed up to cover uh, an event at PNC Arena with the governor. Um, it was a private group that was holding the, the event. Um, she was escorted out uh, at the governor's office request. Um, the Policy Watch is a, is a frequent critic of, of the governor. It's an interesting uh, dynamic going on here because we have conservative advocacy groups now backing uh, this liberal group that they always go head-to-head with because this is going to mean that... that uh, reporters or writers for these conservative advocacy groups uh, won't be allowed to attend governor's events that are for credentialed press only and these two groups don't have credentialed press lindsey wagner lindsey wagner not a household name but making news this week okay um hmm let's go now to craig jarvis of the news and observer craig jarvis who is your headliner of the week Kay Hagan, uh, she's created a vacuum that we have no idea how it's going to be filled. Is it going to be one of the names that's been floated uh, to run for Senate, or is it going to be somebody we hadn't simply hadn't thought of? Uh, she set in motion something, and we're not quite sure what it was. Uh, I will note that soon after she announced she wasn't going to run, a libertarian candidate slash comedian Sean Howe tweeted, she just didn't want a piece of me again. So... <laughs> Maybe he's in it, too. <laughs> so, Kay Hagan, your nominee for Headliner of the Week. Okay, let's shuffle through uh, these official nominations, and I guess we'll have to sort out one. I think, um, really, the Headliner of the Week of these nominees is, uh, I'm going to go with Lindsey Wagner, Pack in, and anytime you can unite the John Locke, uh, foundation with the uh, NC Policy Watch. Uh, you've done something, and so uh, and, and to boot, I think there's some audio here. So we'll head out with uh, a little flavor of Lindsey Wagner uh, being escorted away. If you want to know a little bit more about that story, uh, it's on uh, Dome at NewsObserver.com. You could also find it on the Insider. And, of course, we invite you to, if you have any comments or questions, send us an email at dome at newsobserver.com. So as we head out, we thank you for listening to the Domecast. And let's listen to a a rider uh, being escorted away. And uh, we will see you soon. If you just mind and waiting here. Name? My, my name's Clinton. Clinton. Yeah. And you're with PNC, PNC Arena. Arena. yeah. Can That's I speak with a member of the governor's staff who's asking me to leave? They haven't been invited. They haven't sent any press invites out. Yes, they have. I received. I, I checked with the governor's office, and they did not invite anybody from Policy Watch. Oh, so it's just Policy Watch. Yes, yeah, so I left my bag in. Is my it computer. all right for to go in and get yes. a bag? Yeah. Yeah. Fine. I mean, this looks really bad to walk a member of the media to an event like this. Is it a public meeting? 
You've been listening to the Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.